Welcome to the Yeshiva Shalmaila. This is David Lichtenstein. This week, we'll be discussing the rally in Washington that had 290,000 people go. And the question is, rally or not to rally? Is it Chazetreif, like somebody wrote, or is it a Kiddush Hashem? In general, do we do Hishtadlis, or do we just Davin? In Golis, do we keep our heads low, or do we try to build some scaffolding and gain support? Was the rally in Washington correct? Do we join in rallies with people who don't have the same belief system as ours? And historically, which is one of the most important things, because that's all Hashkaf and Allah is based on, you know, prior history, what was the approach of the G'daylam? We're going to have Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, one of the most active Shtadlanim in our lifetimes. I'm involved in all the major rallies. We're going to have Rabbi Arya Leibowitz, the Rav of Beis Aknesis of North Woodmere, head of the Smicha program in Rabbi Yitzchel Hanan. We're going to have Rabbi Moshe Don Kestenbaum, Rosh Hashiva of Ur Yisrael, his Mechabes Farim, and a Magachir. We're going to have Rabbi Henoch Platnik, a Rosh Mesifta in Kan Feyena. So we have basically uh, really a, a round lineup from uh, all over America. My children are alone at home. And about two hours after it all started, I was on the phone to them and um, I could hear they said there's someone breaking into the house. They were whispering, someone's in the house, someone's in the house. And I said, be quiet. And I could hear people speaking in Arabic. If you adult men, and the door to the safe room broke. And the last thing I heard on the phone was my youngest, Yagil, saying, you can't take me, I'm too young, don't take me, I'm too young. He was begging for his life. You just try and imagine your children. When was the last time you spoke to them? When was the last time you had a call from them? What was the last thing you heard them say? This was the last thing I heard my child saying, begging for his life. So what have we done historically? Well, we know the first rally was in 1943 when they were slaughtering, they were murdering the Eden in Europe. Srebleza Silva and all the Rabban of America practically made a march to Washington. And uh, here's Srebleza Silva giving a bracha to the presidents. That our most gracious president, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, consider and recognize this momentous hour of history and the responsibility which the Divine Presence has laid upon him, that he may save the remnant of the people of the book, the people of Israel. And we pray that the Lord may aid us to gain complete and speedy victory on all fronts against our enemies and that we may be blessed with everlasting peace. Now, the next rally of note was 1967, when the Arabs said uh, they want to throw all the Jews in Eretz Yisrael into the sea, and it was very well attended. Here's Ramosha Brown talking about how he went with his, with his Rebbe. In 1967, when I was in Baltimore, I saw my Rashiva, Rabbi Rabruna Ben Zechat Tzadik Levracha, how he dealt with an Ace Tzara in the war of 67. Of course, they had a rally, the people that were, I remember, at that time, there was a rally in Washington. 
And I don't know the exact number, but it was well into six figures. The number of people that participated, including all the yeshivas, with all with their Russia yeshiva, including, I remember, Philadelphia went, led by rebellious Shmei himself. Tells came with its Russia yeshiva. There was no right, left, center. It didn't make any difference. Everybody went. In 1967. The next rally we had were the Soviet rallies, and Reb Moshe wrote a letter for the rally. When we first did the Soviet Jewry demonstrations, Reb Moshe called me and asked me to come. Then, the next year, he sent a message to it. And he got a lot of pressure, well, like, just like the things you're talking about. And he told me afterwards it would have been one of the greatest mistakes of my life if I had given in to the pressure. And I told him I was covered for him. I didn't want him to have Akhman's message. He insisted and he sent a message when they read it in front of 150,000 people who were milling around, covering three blocks long and, and probably seven, eight blocks wide in, in downtown in, in, um, near the UN. It was, you could hear a pin drop. Here's what Beryl Wine had to say about people not going to the rally in Washington. And Beryl Wine, we sense because he's a historian, and history's historians, he studied the Holocaust, he studied, uh, you know, the pogroms and the crusades, etc. Listen to what Beryl Wine has to say. They don't learn lessons when there were rallies for Soviet Jewry. So they also said, don't go. But the only reason that the Soviet Jews got out is because there were rallies. I don't understand it. I just don't understand it. That, that uh, you know, I get it's beyond me. I mean, Peter, the the few, the Jewish people are on the line. They mean Lakewood too. So what in the world is wrong with you? You don't know what the agenda is. The agenda is that Jewish people in America are being persecuted. So because you're living in a bubble. So you think, you know, it's not she, it's salty. You won't be able to walk the streets in Chicago and New York. So, you know, that's all. Right, so you'll have to have your story privately. A lot of it is because the Orthodox community has no guts. They know it's wrong. But they have no guts because they're going to stand up to it. You talk about cancel culture, we're the ones that invented it. You got five million Jews in America, and you only put up three hundred thousand. That shows how weak we are. If there would be fifty, seventy thousand Orthodox Jews that went, the lake would have gone. That's a statement. Yeah. But part of it, part of it is that they are convinced that they, you know, that uh, the Goyim don't mean them either. Uh, you know, they're gonna they're gonna ride it out. They're gonna have you know. Chone forever. That's very short-sighted. It's a lack of perspective of the past and of the future. I don't, I don't get it. I just don't get it. But my rabbin were not like that. But I, I, I'm, in, I, I, I'm afraid for my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren. They, they have no awareness whatsoever. In the 1930s, the European Jewry had no awareness either. He said, how could it happen? Everything can happen. That's what this war taught us. Everything can happen. You can burn your baby alive in front of your eyes. 
everything that's written in Parshas Nitzovim happen. Now here's Malcolm Holon talking about how from how far away people came. I can tell you we had non-Jews, and there were tens of thousands who came from Bogota to Alaska. Jews came from everywhere, but literally everywhere, from South America, from Canada, from California, from and Detroit, Denver, other places. Some had some incidents but um, on the plains, but the, the attendance was every, literally from small communities to every major community. Um, they traveled from far wide. I, I met people there from Paris. I met people from, uh, from Holland who came um, to Washington for the event. They came from so far away, but from Baltimore an hour away, they, they wouldn't come. Now, here are the speakers, by the way, in the 1967 rally, because I was upset that there wasn't a single person with a yarmulke speaking. I said, just imagine if you had 290,000 Americans at some rally, and a quarter of them were black. Could you imagine it wouldn't be a black speaker? How could you not have? Well, we discussed that with Malcolm Holine, but just in case you think that in 1967 the rally was much different, here are the speakers, and you can Google them. Morris B. Abraham, a very famous human rights lawyer close to six different presidents, a reformed Jew. Whitney Young, president of the National Urban League, an African-American. Dr. William Wexler, House Speaker John McCormick. Dr. Joachim Prince. Does not seem like it was a from a lineup over there. And it did not stop these Rosh Hashivas from going. So just in case we look historically. Now, if we want to look historically, by the way, really back to the beginning, Rosh Hashanah, Tafyutesam at Aleph. The Gemara says, Mosiv Rav Tovi Bar Masna. He says, Be'estrim v'tamne, Be'shur te'tavtali Yehudi d'loya ya'idun me'araisa. The Roman Malchus was geyser, that they shouldn't be Isaac b'tayra. They shouldn't have brismila v'shichalu Shabbos. So the Gemara says, Yeshua ben Shamua v'chaveirav went. And they went to a matronisa echas, shekol gedoyle roimi mitzuyin eslan, it's muvur in the, in the Rishonim, that she, was, she, wasn't a, she wasn't Jewish. And they sat with her all night, and they asked, the, the Rishonim asked, how are they, well, there's a shiloh of yichud with, with the shiks, and they struggled to come up with an answer. But the first, and she told them, boyu v'hifkinu balayla, go make up a, a demonstration. It's holchu v'hifkinu balayla. They went and they made a demonstration, and the demonstration was successful. The Gemara brings it in a few different places. So protesting and making hishtadlis, it seems, from the Gemara is something that's accepted. And Ramban, actually, in Parshas Vayishlach, talks about how Yaakov Avinu, a number of times, made hishtadlis. He was doirin tefila molchama. And what does molchama mean? Make the absolute hishtadlis that you can on a number of occasions. Once with Esav, and once when Binyamin was, when, when, when Shimon was kidnapped. He also made hishtadlis there, too. So there is a history both in both from our Rosh Hashivas more recently and from going all the way back to the Zman HaGemara. Now here's the good news though. Even though there are people who were opposed, 290,000 people came. And again, we heard Malcolm Holland said from all over the world they came. And from here in Muncie, where we went, it was five hours each way with one bathroom on the bus. So it wasn't, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was quite an ordeal. But people came, 290,000 people came. Biggest demonstration ever in America. And here's what's happening in Eretz Yisrael. Hi everyone, so we're here with the soldiers that came out of Gaza. We brought everything here today, from the laundries, from the showers, from the spa, from the beds, and of course, a lot, a lot of food and fun and music to give them the clock to continue to go back in and to win this. Thank you all, I love you. Thank you for joining our Operation Tzitzit initiative for the IDF. This is the Beget, or four-cornered garment. These are green to match the IDF uniform. The strings are one of the most important parts. These strings were made in Israel 
and we take them out into groups of four. This is the long shamash. We put it together with them in a bag so they're ready for people to tie. Now we get to the hardest part, tying. For Ashkenazim, start with a double knot. Each section is separated by a double knot. So the first has seven wraps, then eight, then 11, and then 13. For Edot Mizrach, the knot is different, and the order is 10, 5, 6, and 5. Make sure you consult with someone sitting here, someone to help you, because this can be a little bit tricky. But you can do it. You can make a great pair of tzitzit for a chayal. This is what an actual ton of chicken looks like. 460 kilos, 1,012 pounds to be exact. All distributed to displaced families that were relocated around Jerusalem and given to women who are cooking the chicken to send down to our soldiers. All thanks to your incredible help. Mi ka'am Yisrael. But of course, Kal Yisrael is a big tzibur. Both in America and in Eretz Yisrael and around the world has been really amazing people I, I never knew were Jewish are coming forward and contributing and, and protesting and marching. And, you know, the Gemara says in Menachis and Afchavzayin Amad Aleph, the Gemara talks about the Dalad Minim Shebalulav, which we know they represent, you know, the, the Esrig is the, uh, is the Tzaddik, the, uh, the, the, the Arava, somebody who has no time and no Reich, the four Kitam of Klal Yisrael. And the Gemara says, V'chein Yisrael, just like the Lulav and the Esrig, Baharza, Kishem Misan and Rashi says, until they're all together. Who are all? Tzadikim Anybody, everybody realizes, look, it's been, you know, three and a half thousand years, three thousand years since Harsinai. There's going to be many Jews have been in 180 countries, been after Gullus, after Gullus, persecution after persecution, and many different colors and types of Jews, but when are they nenin? When they're baguda achas, when they're, when they're all together. And a klal Yisrael nene, when it's a mixture of those who are oisin peres and ain't oisin peres. Tzadikim Rishon, and the, the, the chida, the brilliant chida says, the word sibur stands for tzadikim, beninim, v'rishayim. Very, very powerful. And he says, Einam Nenin until we're all together. So it's something very beautiful. Now here's what's interesting. There are always going to be haters. There was an article somebody sent me from the Jewish press. There's a fellow by the name of Bunim Schreiber. He said a, 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 a shear in the Mirror Yeshiva. I don't understand how this is possible. Or Chaim Shmulevitz, who used to, when during the war, I remember, he would open up Darin Kaidish and stick his head in and cry for the soldiers. He said that they asked him, how should we be relate to the soldiers in Eretz Yisrael who are fighting. So he said, the same way you relate to garbage men, you should relate to the Yeshiva. Those who are, you know, those who are like Hazevel, he said, that's how you should look at the soldiers, at Siyonim and the garbage men, which made it into the Jerusalem Post, as you can imagine, which somebody sent me. And I never heard of this fellow, and nobody will ever hear him again, but he'll go down as the Mechal Shem Shemayim of, of, the, of the month in Eretz Yisrael. And here's a, another caller that we get. It seems that there, there is, just like in the colleges, you have these rabid, you know, these professors, really anti-Semitic. We have them among us. Here's another caller that I got in this thing talking about the Israeli soldiers. If that's how I'm fighting, if only in the be fighting in happening and running the show, then the miracle, we, we, we don't need to fight. We win. Both I want so to die, we win. Destroy the enemies. Only because it's a house fighting. They're the ones who are mocking the They're the ones who are causing all the death and destruction. They're, they're, they're making problems for us, making it worse, not making it better. So it's a chutzpah that they, they take credit for the, the blood that they, they shed. They take credit for all the good, you know, quote unquote good that they, they do. This is the issue. Yeah, you, you, you and many other, many others are blinded by the fact you think that they're doing good for us. They're the worst, the worst, the, the Arab. 
the worst, the enemy. And we have to tell them that this should be the dumb shows, everybody should go away. That should be made. It means it have to be. Hashem should take away, no one should be hurt in a way that, that um, and these are the same soldiers who Reb Chaim would cry for, or Reb Shleim Zalman Oyebach. I remember when people would ask him, "Who should? Where should we be mispal?" He said, "If they need a Yeshua, he said, go be mispal by a soldier who was killed." So, but, but, but I don't get discouraged at this because the Netzibur is large as ours. You're going to end up with, you know, you're going to end up with rotten apples. You're going to end up with haters. And we should not be in a spoil. We should look at the vast majority of people who are doing everything in their power to be, to, you know, Kuma Be'ezras Yisrael, to really help call Yisrael. And of course, there's, there's always going to be, and it's always those, by the way, who make the news. The 290,000, you're never going to hear about. You're going to hear about the few oddballs who protested. And that's, I think, that our avoid is here is to keep loving and to keep davening and to keep learning and to keep doing mitzvahs and keep doing everything we can. We have to do doyrein, we have to send money, we have to do tefillah, and we also have to do Mulchama. And what does Mulchama mean? Whatever you could possibly do. Everybody has something that they can do that's Mulchama. And what's the, who is the Eight Sahara here? The Eight Sahara is the Sutton, is those who are Mastin and say, no, our Tzibur is not going to have anybody who looks differently than we do. That's, you know, based on this Rashi, what I would say. Now, last week, we spoke about the Notori Karta, and we asked the Hatzalah guy, do they have a din of a Meitzar Esarabim? And therefore, since they're a Meitzar Esarabim, and a Meitzar Esarabim, there's, according to the Shulchan Aruch, and the Gura has a din of a Meitzar, so there's certainly no din of Hatzalah, and somebody has a din of a Meitzar. And we got a lot of pushback, and the theme of the pushback was, basically, the Notori Karta are protesting Zionism. And the Zionists are what caused the hatred in Eretz Yisrael, because without the Zionists, the Arabs would love us, and we would live in peace in Eretz Yisrael. We would have all our big yeshivas, Mir, and Panovish, and Slobodka, and, and Brisk, and we'd have our big chassidus, and everybody wonderful, except the president, or the, the mayor, or, the, or the, the dictator of Israel would be somebody either from Syria, or from Jordan, or from Egypt, or from the Ottoman Empire, because it's just the Zionists raised all this rabble. Right. This is another one of these fringe, you know, lunatic type of thoughts that we get that are unfortunately some of our, just like you have the professors in school teaching that some of our kids, here are the calls. This sort of headline in the head of the show is the tour character Roadson, the get it Roadson. I don't know if they're Roadson or not, but one thing I know for sure is the end of my destiny Roadson because I'm suffering on the street from anti Semitism. An Arab's trying to stab me while I'm looking. In Yishalayim, I live in Yishalayim, and I'm, being, I'm suffering from all this. Why this is the I wouldn't have any of this issue. At the Six Day War, when Egypt was uh, was uh, threatening to kill all Jews of Israel, they, themse- they themselves clearly said, that, and of my issue of where all the material character and all the the uh, Yiddish line of people who fiercely do not believe in the Zionists, they will not kill. But Egypt were not interested in killing Jews, and they were interested in killing pro, pro-Israel. Those Israelis that were interested in Israel, they themselves said they were not going to kill the Jews in my children who did not believe in the state of Israel. Now, that is simple thing. For thousands of thousands of years, Jews lived with, uh, uh, with the Muslims and Arabs. Not extremely peaceful, but at least 
proportionately to what they had from all the Christians and the pogroms in, 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 in Europe, the Jews in Israel, in, in the all Muslim Arab countries, they live quite peacefully. They feel that the existence of Eretz Israel was putting Gantz Kali Israel, even Kali Israel, in the Kana. And they're gonna, the, the Arabs are going to think that all Yidin are evil. So if I care, they're trying to be Matul Kali Israel by demonstrating the So here's how I would respond to these people. I'm, I'm going to read a letter. And tell me if you know who wrote this letter. Fa'atem, Achenu, my brothers. Yadu'alachem, Shakadish Baruchu Hipilanu. The Mimeheris Avainisenu Batech Umazu. The Rabban Shom from our, because of our, many of our Averis was Mapalas among the Arab people. She Uma Yishmael, the Uma of Yishmael, Shira Asam Chazka Lenu. Their evil grips us. Famous Chakmim, and they're always scheming Lahara to do, to do bad, to hurt the Limais, and to embarrass, humiliate Saisanu. Kamashigazra Lenu Yusbarach Vaivenu Plilam, our enemies plot. Vishalaitamait al Yusrol. Uma Yoiser or Yeves Mimanad. On Klal Yisrael, a nation that hates us more than them will not stand up. Vilay Uma Shahara, Betachlis Hara, an Uma that does evil, Betachlis Hara, Ladaldil Aisanu, to minimize us, or Lahakten Aisanu, to make us from the river to the sea, Vilimais Aisanu Kamayim, to embarrass and humiliate us just like them. Genocide. Um, who do you think wrote this? Was it Rav Cook? Well, you'll say, well, he was post-Zionism. That's why it happened. Maybe it was, uh, who else was a Zionist? Maybe one of the Zionist rabbis in Eretz Yisrael, maybe, right? No, you know who wrote this? The Rambam wrote this in his Igeris Teman, that no nation is as evil and tries to do us as much harm as the Bnei Yishmael. Now, if, if my history is correct, Zionism did not exist in the 1100s when the Rambam was around, right? And that's when the Rambam writes it. And Devin Ezra doesn't write some, something much less than this, right? Rambam his whole life suffered from them terribly. So I ask you, you want to live in this nation and you want them to have authority over you? All my four callers who said that without the Zionists, we would be at perfect peace. And this is the argument that in the Torah Karta. Or do you want to follow what the Rambam writes in Igeris Tema and what Rabbeinu Bchaya writes, what the Evan Ezra writes, etc., about the hatred, the sheer hatred? You would send your children there under an, an, an Arab uh, a dictatorship? Look what's going on in Syria or in, or in Yemen now or what happened in, in Lebanon. I mean, this is really... So choose the Rambam or the Natari Karta. Who do you believe? Now for a, a minute of humor, I discovered after all these years our youngest caller, and here it is. Hi, my name is Bertrand Bumper. I'm 10 years old. For the question, uh, my dad was listening for the question. I think I know the answer. I think it's because without the lentils, Asa would have been dead. And then there would be no point in having a Bechor. Thank you. Now let's go to Advar Torah and the Parsha. Yaakov Avinu is spending a lot of psukim. Like, it's not three, it's, you know... 50-some-odd psukim, struggling with the akudim and the, the spotted sheep, the striped sheep, the blotched sheep, all the different colors of the sheep of Yaakov Avinu. And we know that there are whole parshas in the Torah. The whole Yuvamas is one pasik. If you go to yeshiva, you know, you, you spend a year learning Yuvamas, it's a pasik. And there's this 50 psukim about the spotted, the striped, the blotched, the patched sheep, right? What's what's the message here? What, what, what is the struggles of Yaakov Avinu to get these sheep? What does it represent? And I want to suggest, in the beginning of the parsha, 
beginning of the parish, what does it say? It says, Yaakov makes a nether. If Hashem will be with me, I'm going, he's going on his odyssey into Gullus, right, to the house of Lavan. Right, he says, all these things happen. So the question is, he's in doubt, and he makes a neder, and he says, then, I'll make a base amigdash, etc. So the question is, Rashi asks, what do you mean, Hashem just finishing promising him in the Nevuah, I'm going to watch you, I'm going to shadow you in your entire journey. So Hashem makes promises him, I'm going to guard you. And then Yaakov says, and I make a neder that if he does it, you didn't believe Hashem? It's Rashi's kasha. So Rashi says, Yaakov was afraid, or maybe Hashem said, I'll watch you if you're good. What happens if you turn bad? What happens if you do Averis? Then you won't watch me. So then he makes a nether. Even if I'm bad, if you still watch me, and then I'll, etc. In other words, he's saying, will you love me even if I'm bad? That's the nether of Yaakov, according to Rashi. If I'm bad, Rabbi Nishel, can you still love me? Because if you can... And then I will do everything, and I'll make a base amigdash, and I'll give my say, will be the nation of Hashem. But can you love me the way I am? I know you can love me if I'm perfect, but can you love me if I'm not perfect? And he makes a neder. Now, we don't find the concept of nedarim in Yadus by Goyim. I once heard over from Rafutna. He said, what's a neder? A neder is, if somebody says, he gives a selala tzedakah, amanas she that his son should live, and he doesn't, he's still a tzaddik. Why? Because he really means to give it. When a yid says something inside, 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 he really means it. Even if the neder is not neskayim, even if the, the tenai is not neskayim, by a guy you don't have that. And you learn that from this pasuk, that inside, 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 Yaakov is saying, even if I'm bad, you can still love me, because inside there's something really good. Doesn't the Rambam write in Hochul's Gerishin that if you kai on a get, you could hit, beat the guy up, and if he says right sani when he has a gun against him, the get is still chal. I it seems forced. He says, the Rambam says, but it's a Gemara, that inside a yid really wants to do what's right. And that is that is enough. So you can have somebody who looks totally evil, but if we can look at that inside Nakuda, we can still love that person. That's what Yaakov yes, of the Rabbi Nishol. Can you love me even if I'm bad? Now, why is this so important to Yaakov? Because Yaakov is different than his forefathers, Avram and Yitzchak. By Yaakov, it says, Mitasei Shleima, all his children are holy. Yisrael afalpi shechata Yisrael ho. paskins, if a Meshumid makes Kedushin, you need a get. A Meshumid, why? Because inside there's still something, there's a pintalayi, there's something good. And this is Yaakov's bakasher from the Bainishom. Can you love me if I'm ugly? Can you love me if I'm imperfect? And what are the Nakudim, Akudim, and Brudim, all these sheep he's gathering, the sheep, the sheep. So Chazal say the sheep represent the generations of Klal Yisrael till the end of time, or are all the flock of Yaakov. Right? Hishana, Tzoyin, Tzoyin Yaakov, right? We should, we, we Tzoyin Kadashem, we're all the, the holy sheep. But what do the sheep of Yaakov look like? The sheep of Yaakov are spotted, and they're blotched, and they're striped, and they're still the sheep of Yaakov Avinu. That's what he piled at his tefillah. Can you love me if I'm ugly? And why is this Parsha so important now? Because we're all coming together as Eden on behalf of Klal Yisrael. And sometimes we look to the left and to the right of us, and you know, we're a pretty judgmental people. And we say, you know, this guy's got a, a, a blotch on him, and that guy's got a stripe on him, and the other guy's got a fleck on him. I don't know. And what did Yaakov say? 
He spent all his years, saying, I love you even if you're imperfect. So this is a time for all of us to embrace the person next to us. And the more blotched he is, and the more striped he is, and the less he looks like it, you should give him a hug, a bigger hug, a bigger embrace. And when we do that, we're affirming the tefillah of Yaakov. Rabbi Nishalem, love us even if I'm imperfect. Let's go to our riddle of the week. Did Yaakov make a neder? If I come back, I'll base avi b'shalom. I'll give you ma'isa from everything. And what does the Gemara learn from this din of my? This is the makayr of ma'aser. Amr Rabbi Loi, ba'usha hiskinu hamevazvez. Rashi says laniim al yevazvez yoisa michaimesh. More than twenty percent. Shema yitzdarach labrius. We don't want you to become a nitzrach if you if you give away more than you could afford. You're going to be collecting. We didn't want we didn't want collectors. Amr Rab Nachman, Maikra, v'chayil asher titenli asir asrenu lach. You give a tenth and not more. So why do we know twentieth? Asir asrenu. The double ashen is like ma'isa ma'isa. Ten and ten is twenty. And Taisus in Baba Kama daf tesam and beis. The Rambam Aschilema says in the Rush, Kol mitzvus asay. Ein sarach lefazer kol nechasav on a mitzvah sasei you don't give more than a chaymish. Because we pass like this la lacha chayel asher titin leaser asrenu and not more on a lav and it's mavur in the pais given that just doesn't mean really a lav it means something that's kum vasei you have to do kol mamayne like a lav but an asei not doing something with shevel tase it's only uh, it's only mice only only up to twenty percent so the question is if you only have mavazes all your vazes yaisemi chaymish you never give more than twenty percent the gemara and psachim and daf mem tes says tanurabanan loylam yimkaradam kol ma'ashayeshloi v'yisabas talmud Chacham. person should give away everything he has to marry a Bas Talmud Chacham. Question is, marrying a Bas Talmud Chacham, it's not a mitzvah say, right? It's maybe a drabonon, maybe it's an Eitzah Taiva. So how could you possibly, if if on a, a Daraisa, we say on a mitzvah say, you're not, you're not supposed to give more than a Chaymesh, I mean, it's Tarach Labrius, wife for marrying a Bas Talmud Chacham, marrying the right wife, Yim Karadam Kol even though that's not a Daraisa, best it's a drabonon. That is our riddle of the week. I would like to make a self-serving ad over here. I was, I recently I gave a shear and um, somebody came over to me after this year and he said, I have to thank you very much. What happened, they had a kid and the, his wife was over 40 and the only way they were able to have a kid, he said, is because his wife had taken the eggs out, had harvested her eggs while she was younger and frozen them so that they were able to have a kid. And he said his wife used the headlines book as the heta to uh, harvest the eggs. Right, that was that was you know the, I have a long piece on it, and to be honest, you know I'm giving a lot of chaburis now on the halachas of war. Can you kill a downed uh, terrorist, uh, uh, an incapacitated terrorist, uh, collateral damage in warfare? All these shilas that we speak about, they're all in headlines one, two, and three. Right, it's just full of all the shilas that we encounter in our daily lives, or sometimes don't encounter, but all the Gishmaka Shikava Shilas that'll have everybody on your table, Shabbos table interested, and they're very relevant. Now, you may be able to get it in your local Svarim store if you're lucky, and we've, the price very reasonable, just enough basically to cover the printing, but I think you can get them on Amazon too. 
And if you buy it, your Shabbos table will turn into a very noisy and lively place. You'll be able to talk to your kids in learning, your Adams in learning, your parents in learning, your friends, and have all the Maramakoimis, your Dias, right in your hands. So make sure to pick up a copy of Headlines 1, 2, and 3 at your local Svarim store for the beautiful hardcover copy, or you can get a softcover copy on Amazon. If you want to leave a message by phone or dial in by phone to listen, in America, our number is 732-806-8700. In England, it's 44, I think that's the country code, 33011-70250. In Eretz Yisrael, it's 02-372-0304. Now let's go to our wonderful guests. Joining us from New York is Malcolm Holine, certainly one of the greatest Shtadlanim in our lifetimes on behalf of Kali Yisrael. He was CEO of the Conference of Presidents of Major Organizations. Today he's, I guess, the uh, Executive Chairman. Uh, welcome, Malcolm. Thank you very much. It's good to be with you. So the rally in Washington. Explain to us the importance of the rally. Like, was it a rally? Is it a good thing? Was it very important? Give your average layman an understanding of uh, why you did it and, and what was, you know, what's behind it. Okay, thank you. First of all, I think it was very, very important. And, you know, as you mentioned, I've been doing this for almost 60 years, and I brought more people into the streets for good causes of the Jewish people than perhaps anyone. But I think this was certainly the largest gathering ever, and one of the most important to bring the community together at a time when we're facing challenges abroad and at home, almost unprecedented challenges, that the people had the need from every sector of our community to come together to show support for Israel and to send a message to our leaders in, in Washington, the Congress and the administration, that contrary to the demonstrations they get all the visibility, here was this massive outpouring of hundreds of thousands of people, both Jews and non-Jews, by the way, uh, in support of Israel and U.S.-Israel relationship and countless members of Congress and senators who came and mingled in the crowd, didn't even get introduced. Nothing just said to me, you don't know how important this was. Second was to convey and to communicate the message about the hostages and to bring them home and to keep that in the forefront of attention. And lastly, to combat anti-Semitism and what people are experiencing directly, their children are experiencing on campuses or in high schools or on the streets of our communities, and especially those of us who live in identified Jewish communities and are identifiable Jews, uh, know all too well how bad the situation has become. So all of those were motivating factors for bringing this event together. And I, I have heard from so many people, rabbin and yeshivas, rabbis, leaders, lay people, housewives, telling me that, that it just lifted their spirits, that they felt a sense of achdus. There was a minion at 6.15 in the morning uh, where Barry Weber sang the Halal, it was Rosh Chodesh, and uh, it was a Nate's minion. And, and there were at least a 1,000 young people there, yeshiva, like, Primarily, I guarantee you they didn't dom with such Islamists since even on Yom Kippur, perhaps. And, and every aspect of the program was geared to make it comfortable for from Jews to be able to attend. And they came out in very big numbers. 
the and the reverberations continue. And I can tell you, we got calls from London, Paris, other parts of the world, and especially from Israel, telling us how important it was that they felt so alone. And then they saw this and the endless scene of people that they knew that they were not alone. And the Europeans said that they can't mount such demonstrations, but that they identified with this and, and it, how much it meant to them. Now, when you talk about its importance, Israel, you know, they're trying to get a $14 billion bill for I understand they already got $6 billion. Like, what would happen if, as to show them, they didn't get that $6 billion? How would it affect Israel's ability to fight? So that actually is a very insightful question because people generally take this for granted when we know all too well that you cannot. And that while there's 90% of the Congress both houses that would support the aid to Israel. They're unfortunately tying it to aid to Ukraine and other things encumbering it. But it's so vital. Israel is spending a billion dollars every, virtually every week on this war. It's costing $50 billion. And that's half the GDP of the country. And the workforce, as you know, 20% is in the army and agricultural activity has been diminished greatly because there's no manpower, neither the workers who came from outside, including from Gaza, uh, and now many people are volunteering, and uh, I've seen Hasidic Rebbe sending down people and others just to pick the fruit, which is, you know, it's it's a lifeline. It's a significant part of the GDP of the country. The high-tech industry has been set back because so many of the key workers are in, um, in, uh, the, in the army, and this is already six weeks. So the economic pressures on Israel are so immense, and everybody thinks it's a wealthy country, you know, it can bear it. No, it can't. The United States also can't bear it always, and we see the cuts that New York City has to make, others have to make when they have additional burdens. Israel's carrying multiple burdens and, and having to fight on so many fronts and to keep so many hundreds of thousands of people mobilized. This aid is really vital, and I can tell you that it got a big boost by virtue of the turnout that people saw and the members of Congress saw that uh, what we know from the polls, that the bulk of the American people stand with Israel overwhelmingly and support the aid package to Israel. Now, was there any concern that it would spark more anti-Semitism? Not at all. There was no, the opposite, I think, what couldn't be done perhaps on every campus, that young people could come there and be demonstratively Jewish and know that they're not alone and hear the people who spoke from every aspect of American life. This was meant to be a rally of the American people. So you had the, a president of an historically black college. You had other people who represented all the segments of American population, a Muslim speaker, uh, Christians and others, because we want to show that the, that the American people stand with the Jewish community and with Israel. And so for for there was never a concern that it would arouse anti-Semitism. We were concerned that there might be some incidents, as has happened elsewhere. And when you get guys with swastikas marching or you could get, you know, very hostile uh, demonstrators, they've disrupted and they've engaged in all sorts of vandalism. We did not have one incident. And the police told us that they cannot recall any time when 300,000 people participated in something. There wasn't one arrest. There wasn't one incident. There was one policeman who took away a sign from one of the, the children and, and asked for it first and then wrote on the back, you're welcome, because he said he never got thanked so many times. So he held up the sign saying, you're welcome uh, to the crowd. And I think that the, the way they behaved, even though it was complicated, you know, people could, some of them had to walk an hour afterwards to get to their buses. Not one complaint, not one word of, of anger or exchanges and Everybody was saying, excuse me, on the street, which is, you know, not necessarily always the case. So, uh, no, there was no fear about uh, uh, raising anti-Semitism. Hopefully, we helped the fight against it. And how far away did people come from this rally? 
I can tell you, you had non-Jews, then there were tens of thousands who came from Bogota to Alaska. Jews came from everywhere, but literally everywhere, from South America, from Canada, from California, from and Detroit, Denver, other places. Some had some incidents but um, on the plains, but the, the attendance was every, literally from small communities to every major community. They traveled from far and wide. I, mean, I met people there from Paris. I met people from, uh, from Holland who came. Um, to Washington for the event. Now, I saw a Baron Feldman wrote in his letter that he felt it was pikuach nefesh. Would you agree with that? Isman is certainly one of pikuach nefesh. We're living in an Eistzaram. This is a, 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 one of the most serious times. Certainly, you know, we've lived through tough times. We've fought tough enemies, Iran, and we've continued to fight. Uh, Israel was in danger in 67, 73, other times, but we have a confluence of factors now, and you have the growing sophistication and mobilization, as well as funding, going to anti-Semitic, uh, anti-Jewish, anti-Israel groups on, uh, in, in communities and on campuses, and they are becoming more and more effective especially amongst younger people who are ignorant, who do not know the facts. We're not opening to listening to the facts. So we have to do equally effective campaigns online, offline, everywhere, and to provide security for our institutions, for our communities, but also for our kids on campus. We have to make sure that every child, is every young person, every Jew feels safe, doesn't have to hide their identity, and many can't hide their identity. And we have to make sure that we have the physical security, make sure that our law enforcement agencies do their part. You know, the the rising numbers of of incidents, there are thousands, thousands of attacks against Jews in America each year. And it's it's up this year by over 400% since October 7th. And the number of incidents is, is, uh, of those reported, still the majority don't get reported, which I hope people will pay more attention to as well. Here's a question that bothered me. Why were there no religious speakers at the rally? There wasn't a single person with a yarmulke speaking. Well, first of all, there were people with yarmulkes on the stage. Uh, Ishirabi, and he said, till him. Okay, he was an entertainer. Yeah, but, but wasn't a single... It's not just an entertainer, he's a firm entertainer. Okay, but there was a, no firm speakers, not a single not a single speaker with a yarmulke. I think there was, I'd imagine if it was a black, it was an well, American convention for... There, there are reasons for it, okay. and good reasons, reasons that I know your audience in particular would appreciate. I don't want to go into all the details, but there was an understanding that there were people that would be offensive to part of the firm community, and therefore the agreement was that there would be no uh, representatives, and um, and they asked that we say to them, we did it, and we had no coalition, and other things that were asked of us, everything was met, and that was one of the outgrowths of it. So it was deliberate, and it was... Um, it was to meet the standards that we were asked to, to to facilitate participation from the community. But I'm not talking about a rabbi speaking. I understand if you had a male rabbi, then they'll put up a female rabbi. Why couldn't somebody with a yarmulke speak? You speak. Howard Friedman speaks. All those people who are, you know, who understand the holes of power in Washington. You know, it's, it was just one one person without a yarmulke after the next, one friar person after the next. It was 25% from. If this was a, a if this was a rally for something else, a pick your sense of for Normandy, and it would have been 25% black. It would have been a black speaker. I mean, you. If 25% of your constituency is, is orthodox, there should have been two or three orthodox speakers. No, there should not be, because then you would have had to have other speakers. 
But you did have other speakers. Everybody else was either. No, we had Schumer is a reform. Schumer is a reform Jew. Uh, but nobody, that's silly. He's not there as a reform Jew, and, and uh, none of the others were there. So get a yarmulke guy, not as, a, not as an one orthodox second, Jew. One second. One, one second. Uh, just let me answer, because okay. it's an important point, and I know that there, were, there was a controversy, which I don't want to get into, because I think it has to be dealt with in other realms. But it, if you understand the understandings we reach and why we were, this was purely by the organizers, an expression of sensitivity to the firm community and, and what they required and, and requested wasn't because we purposely eliminated. There were people there, Sharansky is, is from Shabbos, there are other people who are, who are affiliated with the, the firm community, uh, but, but you, and you don't know everybody's identity there, but they said, the fact is that none of them, they were there as the leaders of Congress. So you're right, nobody wore a yarmulke. When we, when we did the, the tefillos, we had people with yarmulkes. The Hazan saying the Mishabarach did was God with a yarmulke on who comes from a firm place. So, you know, if, if you're asking why there wasn't a guy with a long beard, well, actually, no, we, we, I'm not asking that because, because it wasn't a religious issue. I'm talking about just to show right. representation of other parts of the community. You had Tova Felcher, an actress. Well, couldn't you have a businessman who's a shtablin with a yarmulke speak about it? And, what, and, and you think that that would have satisfied? If we put up one guy from one part of the community, and this was not for businessmen, Tova Felcher was there because she was a known thing, and we wanted to show that the artistic community and, and everybody dressed in this, none of them sang, all these fake rumors that were circulated by people who were trying to, to undermine the event, none of that happened. I asked, as I said, I, I went around to guys in Bekashus who were there and to guys who brought their yeshivas, I mean, Rebbe's and, and Rosh Yeshiva, and I said to every one of them, was there one minute of this program that you were uncomfortable? They said, absolutely. The only thing that bothered them was that they didn't bring the other classes and only brought the oldest uh, classes. And I'm telling you that, that anybody who was there walked away inspired. People who wrote me all of those things before the rally afterwards wrote me and said it was the best, it was amazing. I, I didn't have one, and this never happens, uh, complaint. So people who want to look in hindsight, and there were other issues that were raised that, that are equally nourished, frankly, in the context of, of what, we were, what was done and what was being done. People don't want to come, shouldn't come. That's their choice. But, but, and you know what? And they wouldn't be missed, uh, generally. I think it's regrettable. I think they lose out on it. I think their kids lose out not having this chance to show Ahtas, to show Lech Kenosas Kola Yehudim. Nobody set conditions then this, this wasn't said. These were self-imposed in order to make sure that people could participate. Okay. Historically, which other rallies did you arrange in over the years? Israel, Russian Jewry, et cetera. Oh, well, you all remember I did. I started the big demonstrations for Russian Jewry, and uh, I came to New York to start the conference on Soviet Jewry for Syrian Jewry, for Iranian Jewry. I conducted the campaign for the Iran 13 with many demonstrations and negotiated with the Iranians to, to get the release of them, just as we negotiated with the Syrians over the release of, of the Jews at the same time that we organized manifestations, public manifestations, and the 2002 rally after the massacre on Pesach in, in, in Israel. So the very few what but, but but there were very, there were very few public events in which I was not engaged. But I will tell you something here that when we first did the Soviet jury demonstrations, Reb Moshe called me, Zechatzadik uh, and asked me to come. And he talked about his concerns, which I understood, and because he lived under Stalin, 
And for him, as one of his relatives said, you'll never convince him that Hitler was worse than Stalin because he lived under Stalin. And his concern was about the Russian Jews. I explained to him how we go about it, that we don't do this and impose it. It's what Russian Jews set the stage, and we then follow. But we don't do it uh, without it, and we don't incite violence. And then he called me back the next time, and he said, I see how you do it. I understand. Don't use Tashmiche Kedusha. Don't, because at the front, they used to wear talitot and people uh, carried Sifre Torah because we were demanding religious freedom for Russian Jews. Because he said, and listen to, uh, to the reasoning, he said, because when the Russians will see this in a shul in Russia, they'll think it's a protest. When they march with uh, Sifre Torah and they're wearing uh, talasim, that people will think that the Russian authorities will identify it with the demonstrations. I said, Rosh Hashiva, it makes perfect sense. We stopped it that day, and with the exception of one guy, one rabbi who wouldn't go along, everybody else, everybody went along. Then, the next year, he sent a message to it, and he got a lot of pressure, like, just like the things you're talking about. And he told me afterwards it would have been one of the greatest mistakes of my life if I had given in to the pressure. And I told him I would cover for him. I didn't want him to have Akhmas message. He insisted, and he sent a message. And when they read it in front of 150,000 people who were milling around, covering three blocks long and, and probably seven, eight blocks wide in, in downtown Man in, um, near the UN, there was, you could hear a pin drop. And when they finished, when reading the message, his son-in-law read the message, there was a cheer that went up. Even the Bob Chereba who disagreed with some of the stuff, and on the Iranians. And in the end, it proved to be right. And, so, and Agadol recognizes sometimes their assumptions are not based to, to at least ask the fact. Then they can make a, 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 the conclusions and draw it, and we respect it. But they at least ask and find out. So I had talks with the Bob Chereba about it. I had talks with other Russian yeshiva about it and about the other events in which we were engaged. The negotiations with the Iranians were very sensitive. They had 13 lives at stake immediately, let alone the rest of the Jews who were there. So, I mean, I've done it on every cause and every purpose. And as my own background, and I live in the Frum community, I come from the Frum community, I'm certainly not indifferent to it. So Ramesha uh, uh, applauded the protests. And Ramesha in 67 sent a message us to go told the yeshiva to go, and my own yeshiva, Philadelphia, Rebellia, led the group to Washington. Rebellia Shvei went to Washington with his yeshiva. In 67, for the demonstration. And here's what's interesting about the demonstration in 67. There wasn't a single from person on the stage there either. How about that? But it didn't seem to upset, I guess, Rebellia and all the yeshivas who went. No, because it was a political event. It was a political event, and we have to draw the line of the distinction. When... You have a young tefillah, then you can have everybody up there, and nobody stops anybody from doing that, and it's fine. They asked for a capital hotel, and they got it, we did it. And we did it with a from guy. So, I mean, right. I think a lot of this is manufactured now. Look, I think that in, in Kali Yisrael, we very much follow the footsteps of, you know, in Halacha, and, and, and of what our P.S. Gedalim have done. So you're saying if Abel Yishrei took the yeshiva in 67 to Washington, and all the yeshivas went, and Ramesh sent messages, I mean, to be to be read. I mean, I, that, that's a very powerful pre- Halachic precedent, as well as Ashkafic precedent. Right. If you believe in Osama of Damriyaha, as I talked to Ramosh about, that, uh, I mean, we give expression to it. Learning is a way. So I know, you're not, I know you're not a rabbi. It's also a way. Malcolm, I know you're not a rabbi, but you say you learned in Philly, right? You're a Talmud of Rebellion. If somebody asked you, they said, um, 
I want to go to the. I want to go with my cliff to Washington. You say it's like al You say it has a din of atzal of Can I use my money for the bus? What would you say? <laughs> I tell them to call their local rabbi and ask and get a psak halacha in uh, uh, to, to to know what they uh, what they should do. But I would certainly think so. Right. So here's a question. There were those who felt that having um, being uh, a minister speak who is one of the most powerful um, ministers in the United States and a tremendous advocate for Israel was uh, was was uh, was a little bit unsettling. What do you think about that? A man who heads and built an organization of 10 million people who stand with the Jews and with Israel. There is no parallel. He has 100,000 members a month. He gives more money to Tzedakahs, including from Tzedakahs, including Haredi Tzedakahs in Israel, coming to that too for, for um, you know, uh, services that they provide to people. And he, this is a guy who makes everybody sign that they will not missionize Jews. And he paid a heavy price for it when he first introduced it uh, 20 years ago. And I've worked with him for more than 20 years. I can tell you there's never been an incident where he has done anything but be supportive. Never one case of missionizing. I mean, they have their beliefs. But if you want to show America and the fact that you have tens and tens of millions of evangelicals who are amongst our greatest supporters, that you bring somebody like that who does not evangelize Jews, who, who, who stops others from missionizing, targeting Jews, he, he has his beliefs. He's free to express them as is everybody else. But that could be going. That's that's the opposite. So when when somebody wrote and somebody expressed that he said, you know, by putting a minister up there, we're showing that you know the Christians and their gods have a real value, and maybe some of them will actually convert to Christianity. Are we seeing today a problem with Jews converting to Christianity in the former world? No. You know that I set up the first task force of missionaries and cults in America to fight the missionaries, to fight the Jews for Jesus. I set it up when I was head of the JCRC in the late 1970s. We got sued by Jews for Jesus. We got sued by other guys for it. So I am very sensitive to that issue here and in Eritrea, very sensitive to it. And and But the truth is that you don't see... You see people who, who, who engage in these activities, they appeal to Russian Jews, they appeal to mixed marriages or guys, people who, you know, had a Jewish grandparent type thing, but nobody, missionized and nobody converting to Christianity from the firm community that I know. They can, we have people who, who unfortunately may not be uh, as observant as we would like them to be or their kids and whatever, but nobody is being attracted to, no. to Christianity. I, 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 the Catholic Church is not, not missionizing people, and these evangelicals, I mean, the good guys are not either. I think that they want Jews to be Jews. I think that those wars of Christ- converting to Christianity are wars, honestly, of Europe and you know the last thousand years. Today, the, the, it's 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 Tivis and and that, that is the Eitzahar. It's not we're not dealing with religious battles. We're dealing with with the Surah battles. That's you know at least in my lifetime, that's what I see. But there are some issues, like with Ethiopian Jews in Israel, with others. Those are legitimate issues, and there are people who prey upon poor people to missionize them. Uh, but that's more in Israel than it is in America. Do you see this? Um, do you see here that people came away with that this is a celebration of Yadi, of secular Zionism, of 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 Herzl, of of applauding what the Zionists are doing? Do you see it? Do you see this? Do you see that in Herzl.com? But do you see this as part of the rally? Like people came away like with a you know a secular Zionism bent to the rally? Because we stand with Israel. I mean, I mean, read the read the parshas that we just read. What 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 does standing with secular Zionism mean? 
people wave the flag that they sang Hatikvah then? Did anybody expect them not to sing Hatikvah? That is, to me, it's, there was nobody handing out cards and saying, are you a card-carrying Zionist? Do you belong to a Zionist party or anything? But why, why should we? We're all Zionists, every one of us. If you, We've been all day long about it. I mean, what, this is, it's so ridiculous to say that somehow this was an expression of secular Zionism. I don't know what it means. When Rabbi Yishvei came with Rosh Hashivas, was he worried about the Bahram would come back as Zionists? I don't think he worried that they would convert, and I don't think he was worried that uh, this was going to change their hashkafas. I do think that this war changed a lot of people's hashkafas. I think October 7th is a watershed for everybody, every community. And I see it in my own community. I see it when I go to shul. I see it in, in what people are saying to me. I think it's a watershed, and we have to look at it and see what does it mean. How do we use this opportunity, to build Achtos, the one requirement that Kaddish Baruch set for every great miracle that happened to the Jewish people, from Harsinai, where we stood to to the rescue of Russian Jews and Ethiopian Jews and Syrian Jews and Yemeni Jews and Iraqi Jews, the miracle of Purim, Lechanosis Kalayehudim, as they answered those to, to, uh, to, to Haman and uh, who saw us as Mufuzar, um, Mufurad, that we were not united. Achtos is the one condition that Kaddish Baruch set. And when we can demonstrate it, you don't compromise your value in doing it. It's a reinforcement and we can spread. Look how many people put on fill in there. Look how many people uh, have changed as a result of it. And in Israel too, 200,000 pair of sits given out to the army and, and all the from people down there and how guys who, who didn't wear yarmulke before are started to wear yarmulke in the army. And we're breaking down barriers between people that will only strengthen Yiddishkeit in Israel and strengthen Yiddishkeit here. We have new opportunities and instead we look for, to drive new divisions and to drive it and, and not based on I understand there can be people who don't want to come. Don't come. I talked to Rabbi Yoyal from Satmar about it. His views were not that, that he said to me, you think I want to see Jews destroyed? You think I want to see Jews killed? He said, you have a problem. Every day you have a new challenge. We have a, a, an answer. And that's when Sheikh comes to Abba State. But he said, in the meantime, you think I don't, I want to see them hurt. You don't think I care about them? And, and he said, you have your Meshagoyim, I have mine. You can't control yours, and I can't control mine. Was he, was he opposed to any of his freedom going to a rally in 67? Or? I'm sure he was not. He didn't encourage it. I'm sure he didn't put up posters for it. But when I went to see him, it was long after 67. So I didn't even discuss it. Do you think that this was potentially, by the way, for Yisrael, an existential crisis? Of course it's an existential crisis. When you see what these people were willing to do, I will tell you, it's not, I don't generally talk about it because I don't have the words to express it. But I was in Eretz Sorel for, for Sukkot with my family. Most of them went back and my wife and I stayed for two more days and I keep two days there. So uh, after Yontav in the morning, I went to see the soldiers in the in Hadassah Hospital, the first soldiers that were brought up who had been wounded. And it turned out I knew their families, one from Montreal, one from Toronto, one from New York, one from Texas. And they all said to me, you have to go down. You have to see. You have to see. You won't believe, but you have to. And I said, no, I don't think it's a good idea. I'm not, I'm not, it's not a good idea. And civilians can't go. Two hours later, I was in Steyrot and I was in Beiri. I saw everything. I saw the bodies. I saw, they took me, the guys from Zaka who, 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 who are malachim, what they do there, nobody can believe. I was there with uh, Saru Marpa, Yamati Fried from Bells, what, what they were doing. And, and the bodies are there. They take me to a truck. I, I could hardly walk there because I felt like it was a brick wall, the stench. And I looked in, there were 50 bodies sitting in their truck. And, and they, they pushed me at one point away from something. It was like a black smudge. And they said, don't step there. And I said, why? He said, that was a baby. They 
put the baby there, and they, they were looking for DNA, for teeth or anything that would be remained from it. You can't imagine what we faced, what, what the danger, the true danger that, that they represent and what they would do if they had more capacity to do it. So yes, I think that this, this is a, a critical time. We face it. Look what the Houthis are doing, shooting. Look at the uh, Hezbollah, and you got the militias in Syria, the militias in Iraq. Iran's plan to encircle, and God willing, we will take deal with the Iranian uh, issue because you, you can't crush this enemy until you crush the head of the snake. But that's another discussion. But yes, people have to take how serious this is. And I will tell you something else. I think there'll be a surge of Aliyah after this because people realize after what they saw here and in Europe, a surge of Aliyah, including from the firm community, or even mostly first and foremost from the firm communities, that people will start going to Israel, even if it's not full-time, part-time. I hear it from people all the time, and I think people are going to reevaluate where they are, and it's an appropriate response to what we've experienced. That, that, was, that was fabulous. In, in your experience over the years talking to the G'daylam, did they believe the battles that are at Yisrael, these existential battles, have a din of a Mohammed mitzvah? Did you ever ask them? I have talked to many G'daylam. I've had the privilege and the honor to be close to Steinman's, that's out to many others, many. And I don't know why, but usually it's, it's been very private. They make everybody leave, and we talk, and we talk about the real issues. I have the privilege to talk to the Belzer Rebbe a lot. To others, uh, I, I'm dear to Rebbe, uh, so even though I'm a Yekid by heritage, I like Hasidus. But I look, I talk to everybody. And and in moments of candor, you know, when you're alone with them, it's a very different story. And I have the privilege to with Rebbe Yaakov, with Rebbe Moshe, with all of them over the years. And, and you know, they get it. They understand did, did you ever ask them if Allah has a dinner of Mohammed's mitzvah? It's like a, it's more of a technical shayla. Yeah, it's too, too, that, 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 I can't remember exactly that I, we got into that shayla per se. I mean, I've been in discussions of the shayla of Mohammed's mitzvah by Rishus, but I don't remember that I engaged in because when they talk to me, they talk to me about tachlis issues, tachlis challenges internally in the community and externally. And they want to know. They want to know more. They ask me about the things to watch. And they know I give them unvarnished facts. And, and, you know, many of them gave me amazing insights and, and, and guidance about, uh, you know, when I went to Syria, there were only two people I talked to, the Prime Minister and the Belzer Rebbe. And he gave me better advice, but said I should go because I was trying to help. Well, it's not, I won't talk about what that was, but, you know, he, 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 you have to listen to him. I want, to know him. I want them to be respected, and I, it pains me to see that they do think that sometimes things are done, that they undermine Bas Torah. They undermine, they build opposition to it because I can't tell many people write emails saying, um, I'm homeless, Hashkafa-wise. I don't want that. Honestly, I want to see the from community. We need, they have to have respect for Das Torah and for, for our leadership. Malcolm, thank you very much. Shalom should give you Kayach. You should be able to continue doing uh, just ineffable, indescribable work on behalf of Claudia Yisrael. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Take care. Bye-bye. Joining us from New York is Rabbi Arya Leibowitz. He gives the smicha share by Ritzik Ochanan. He's the Rav of the Beis Hakdesis of North Woodmere. Welcome, Rabbi Arya. Thank you very much. It's always great to talk to you. So here's the question. There are those who say, let's 
daven, say tehillim, learn. And there are those who say, no, let's go to a rally. When do we say, let's daven, let's sit, and let's learn? You know, Talmud Torah, can I get kulam? When do we say, let's go to a rally? What's your, uh, how do you see it? Yes, I think we, we always say, let's daven, let's learn. And obviously, in the time of Tzara, in the time of Bukhama, we have to uh, double down on our efforts in uh, in in Tfila and in Torah, Torah's Magno Matzla, and you know certainly Ani Mamin Be'amuna Shleima Shabari Zvarach Shemo Hu Bari Amani B'Chala Bruim and Hu Abadol Atzavos and the Atzav B'Chala Matzim. We believe that Hashem Baruch Hu runs the world, and 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 that's you know unquestionable. At the same time, we also have a long-standing Masora that dates back to Yaakov Avinu that uh, in the time of uh, of Melchama that we have to do Hishtadlus, we have to prepare. Uh, in every way possible, you know, when Yaakov Avinu uh, prepares with uh, for Mochama, so we we, need, we know we need to have an army. And Doro means that we have to have uh, some sense of diplomacy, and particularly if the method of diplomacy is to uh, to show the will of the electorate by showing up in, in big numbers. So then it's important that we show up in big numbers when when we can, when we're able to. Like the Lashon of Ramban in, in Vayishlach, this week's he didn't believe in his sitkis. The hishtado b'hatzala b'chol yecholtei. Yeah, the rabbi goes on weiter in Vayishlach, and he says that that Chazal used to can have a salak l'malchusa from the stalker by the parshasa. They would chazer over this parsha whenever they had to deal with the malchus. Zu parshas galus kisheibaba roima bechatzam alchi edrim aliski atzibuhi mistakol parshas zu leches achriatzas hazokin achachem veirin tzilam olchamah. This is Ramban in Vayishlach Parakwam Gimel. Yeah. We have to realize we're not we're not more uh, you know Rabbi Tversky pointed out in the shmuz that he gave in yeshiva that we're not more worthy than Yaakov Avinu and that, that's a very important message. We know that we need we need uh, American support and and that's that's the way we get American support by showing uh, all of Congress and by showing the president that uh, you know the president who's been a great supporter of 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 of, uh, of, of Israel and of this war and um, that 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 the elect the, the electorate is behind them. And, and we see it by Yaakov again. So let me just throw a, a, a curveball at you. We see by Yaakov again. It says by by I think it's in Vayeshev, yeah. That it says when he took um, or it's Miketz maybe that when they took Binyamin captive. So the you know the Yaakov procrastinated sending down you know Yehuda together with Binyamin. But at the end he said Ktas Baitnim the light and and and. Uh, Afterwards, he was mispal. So Rashi says he did whatever he could, and after he did whatever he could, he was mispal, which is similar to Yishlach, right? You do whatever you can, and you mispal. And yet, by Yosef, we find these mamish were living these weeks parshas, right? So what does Rashi say over there? So he, Yosef uh, shouldn't have shouldn't have asked the Saramashkim. He just should have davin. That's what the, the medrash is. You should you should make your shtablos. You should just have betachin and amuna. By his father Yaakov, we see twice. Hishtablus above all. Dairin Philomohama. When Yasef tries to make Hishtablus, Chazal will follow them. What's the shadow of that? 
it's an it's an interesting question. It's an important question. I I, I mean I think to whatever extent uh, we can understand this, Chazal uh, finding fault in Yosef that ultimately he put too much trust in in the Sarmashkin wasn't that uh, you know I, you're allowed to you're allowed to say things, but you have to realize that ultimately any Yeshua comes from the Rebbeinu Shlomo. You know, it's a question of the chovas estadlus versus uh, versus relying that or assuming that the estadlus is what really works in the end of the day. She's saying Avada Yosef had a right to do his estadlus. You see that from his father twice. But you can't be maimin that's your estadlus that's poil yochiv is to do the estadlus, and afterwards the, the Yeshua comes from the rabbi Nishlaim, and he and that's yeah. the part that he was that he was. Uh, yeah, I think so. Gavaldik. Um, what do you say to those that say that uh, that there's a problem of being mischaba where we show him? We know you 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 we know Rabbi Yashiber famously he, he was so opposed to being mischaba to the conservatives of the reform even where it was Ladvar Mitzvah he was fiercely opposed I believe told today why you they won't go into a conservative they won't go into a reform show so. Sitting together, I mean, most of the people who made this event were, were not, you know, from Eden, right? Do you feel that there's a problem here in the sheet of, uh, of the Gedalim? Or Moshe Feinstein was very opposed to it, of being mischabal of Russia. What do you think? So, a couple of things. First of all, uh, Rav Yeshebar had a different sheet than Rav Moshe did on this, uh, on this issue. Rav Yeshebar um, was mechalic between Klape Knim and Klape Chutz. That uh, any internal issues within Klal Yisrael, uh, we should not be uh, doing joint things with reform conservatives with any Apikorsim, anyone who rejects any of the Karayamuna, things of that nature. But Klapi Chutz, Klapi, the rest of the world, um, you know, he actually uh, thought it was a good idea for his even to be part of the Synagogue Council, which was, uh, you know, uh, which was very controversial. And a lot of the Gedolei Torah at the time, uh, including Rav Moshe, uh, disagreed uh, with Rav Yeshebar about that. But he felt that Klapi Chutz, uh, when dealing with the outside world, then you can be mischaber uh, uh, with uh, with people of other streams of, of Judaism. But but aside from that, this, this is an entirely different. Um, Situation. This is not about any theological issue. It's not about any ideological issue. It's about Jewish blood. It's about whether uh, we're going to stand up for Jewish blood to try to protect Jewish blood. I saw someone sent me this week uh, a link um, to the article, the, the long piece that the Shpacha magazine did on Ravaran Cutler um, last year, about a year ago, where uh, it said in the article, uh, someone just sent this to me, I'll, I'll read you the quote, where it said that he believed that unity was crucial, and the quote goes, he attempted to work with Reform and secular Jewish leaders and non-Jews as well. When he was criticized for meeting with the leading Reform rabbi Stephen Wine, Ravaran famously declared, I'd work with the Pope himself if it would help save the fingernail of one Jewish child. I think when we're dealing with Piklach Nefesh and we're dealing with uh, world Jewry, is at, at significant risk over here. And uh, this is, it really is Mamish Piklach Nefesh. I mean, the support of the, of, of, of the United States of America is absolutely critical in, uh, in the war effort, the Derech HaTeva. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I certainly my misar for my rebbeim is uh, pretty uh, what they say chad mashmai. It's pretty pretty clear and direct. But it seems that that the misar of uh, of many shivas is that way. With Meishe Brown, one of uh, prominent Talmud Chacham in, uh, in our neighborhood, probably is widely considered one of the greatest Talmudim that Yeshivas Mary Israel ever produced. Uh, spoke about how in 1967 his Rosh Hashiva of Ruderman. Uh, brought the entire yeshiva, as the Javelius say in Philadelphia, and the Tel Zerush yeshiva with their entire yeshiva, to, to demonstrate the man that's all us, B'nai Yisrael. It wasn't only Yireh and 
And it's, I find it very sad that Averdeman went, but Baltimore this time did not go. Yep, yep. Would you say that uh, somebody, if somebody called you up a shyly, said, you know, Rebbe, I have a problem that, you know, I want to take my class, it's very expensive. Could we pay for the bus for my money? Would you say this is Var Mitzvah? I think so, yeah. And before you said it's Pikuach Nefesh, I saw Rabbi, Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Feldman wrote it's Pikuach Nefesh. I'm curious, would you go on Shabbos? So Baruch Hashem, we didn't plan it for Shabbos. You know, I mean, I wasn't involved in the planning, obviously. But, uh, you know, it's something that could be planned for any given day. Look, I wouldn't have planned it for Shabbos either. I have to point it out. Like, that was, a, you know, not such a great choice because it created a lot of logistical issues for people who need to daven. Um, but, uh, you know, but it's something that could be done on, on, on any given day. You just have to choose the day. So you can't choose Shabbos. Very good. You're saying if the only and if the only day you could do it on Shabbos is, would you say you could do it on Shabbos? Probably. I would ask wow. the day. Uh, uh, wow. Well, that's what Rabbi Feldman already said. It hasn't done a bikkur nefesh. So it's interesting. You're pointing out that Rabbi Aaron Kutler also worked with Freya when it had to do with Chatzal of Yisrael. Maybe the, maybe he held that Altus Chabal Russia is not where it's bikkur nefesh. It's clearly not, right? I mean, it's 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 like any other iser. So, you know, nothing stands in front of bikkur nefesh except for Gimel Chamures. Or alternatively, he. Could could have felt, I mean, Tishaba is a very wide language. Like, I was, uh, like, what does it mean, Al Tishaba? Can I carpool with Russia? Can you yeah, take I a car? You know, the sense of like being, of being at, at risk of being mushba in some way or another is something that I think is a misplaced fear in this context. And I think Ravarin must have understood that. Look, I have no first hand knowledge of Ravarin I just read you what the, the you know, Shpaka magazine said. He did, not, he did not feel, he did not fear that he would be mushba from uh, Stephen Wise, Shem Exactly. Yeah. 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 And, and, and I don't feel that anyone uh, was going to be mushba from, uh, what's the name of that? Hagee, John Hagee. If, yeah, so one of the Rabbanim wrote that I read that to Mari Rabbi of Shechter Shlita, and he said, come on, no one had a Havamina. First of all, he didn't say anything uh, objectionable, and no one there, no one would have yeah. a Havamina. I'll tell you a beautiful story. Two of my Talmudim uh, from our Kailo, uh brought their Gemara Kedushin, because we have a Kailo Bukhina coming up the next week, so uh, they didn't want to miss out on uh, learning. So they sat down on the lawn. You know, when it comes to these rallies, no one really cares what the speeches are. No one knew to pay attention to the speeches until we were told it's Chazit and then everyone wanted to pay attention. But, you know, no one, it's, it's all about a head count. So they told me, they brought their Gemara, they sat down on the lawn, uh, and they started learning. And two uh, clearly not uh, religious young men came over to them, uh, students at one of the local universities, and they said, "What are you guys doing?" And they said, "Well, we're learning Torah." So they said, "Can can we learn with you? Can we try?" And uh, they sat down with them. They explained them the mission and kiddushin. They exchanged phone numbers afterwards, and they uh, they hope to keep on learning with them. Yeah, Kavalik. Yeah, Kavalik. You know, the Gemara says, The Gemara Menachas, Rashi says, Right. When we when we when we when we come together, you know, the goal is to inspire. You know, we have to and We have to inspire too. And to Shabbos, where do you think, Taka, you're going to be a mushba? And I, I think that there's also over here actually a real hysteris. People who I didn't even know were Jews, people who never thought of themselves as Jews, are coming out of the woodwork and seeing what they could do and how they could help. And
and and there's there's a, there's a ruach of of achtas in in the world now, and we we have to be we have to really be mispal not to be makalko. It's like almost a, it it created a hirachuva in in the greater Jewish world, probably the greater world of Jews everywhere. 100%. Like with everything else, it's more intense in Eretz Yisrael, um, but, but the ripple effect in Chutzlaretz has been felt as well significantly. I was in Eretz Yisrael uh, about a week ago, and I gave a shir in a, in a shul, um, and I said, it was, it was my last stop on my way back to the airport in the shul, and I, I said, what I saw this week was just unbelievable. And when I ask friends, how's your family? They say, oh, we're doing well. We have a, a family of 10 from Ashkelon living with us for the last month. You know, Sparty family, Haredi family that they, they have nothing in common with the American people hosting a Sparty family that, whose kids have never even been to Yerushalayim because who could afford to go all the way from Ashkelon to Yerushalayim and they're living with them for a month and I said you know this achtos this chesed is unbelievable and someone came over to me after she and they said something so profound they said you know it's a real you spoke nicely, it was nice, but it's a real American attitude to call it achdus and chesed. You know, chesed is something you do with somebody else. Achdus is when you have like different pieces coming together. Here, it's just Am Yisrael. It's just Kali Yisrael. I mean, it, we don't feel like we're doing this for somebody else or, or that it's a favor or a chesed towards somebody else. We just feel that this, we're just all in it together. Yeah. Rabari, thank you very much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. Joining us from New Jersey is Rav Moshe Kestenbaum. He's a noted machanach. He's an author. He wrote Olam Hamidus. He's a, a speaker. He's Rashiva of our Yitzchak. Welcome, Rav Moshe. Thank you very much. Big honor so to be here. what did you do with your yeshiva, by the rally? So I, I, I went, and a number of our boys went. I didn't um, tell them they had to go, and uh, I could explain a little bit my, my line of thinking over there. Yeah, I would love to hear it because some people are saying it's Bittal Tyra, you know, uh, et cetera. Well, what would you say? Okay, so first of all, to me, it was important to understand, you know, what Das Torah, what our Gedolim tell us. And since I had heard, you know, Varen Feldman had told at least the Balabatim, you know, to go, so I understood, okay, that he held it was Mutter, there was an issue about the Tzchabalarosha, at least at that point. So once I, once I had the green light, in terms of being able to go, forgetting Bittal Torah for a minute. Um, so, so then now is the question of Bittal Torah. And over here, maybe I went a little bit on, on a limb, on, you know, but I decided as follows. Uh, to me, to me, we need to feel an achrayas to call you so. We need to feel that we're part of call you so. And I felt if we if we stay back, you know, even if you say we're going to learn for the for the, for the soldiers, we're learn for for to straw. I didn't really feel that we were really going to feel that achrayas and, and feel that achrayas to call Yisrael, feel the, the responsibility and the achrayas to call Yisrael. And I felt that this is, this is something that, that I need to do for myself and for the Bakram uh, to, to feel responsibility for, for our brothers and sisters in our Yisrael. And I didn't even tell them they had to go. I said, you want to stay and learn? You have who to be signed the call. Because obviously many, if not most of these shivas, you know, didn't go. But I felt that I needed to teach them what it means to feel a Christ or Christ. So in terms of the Torah, you know, I make the following argument, the following Shiloh. I mean, listen, we're a little bit of a Mutzah Yeshiva. It's, uh, we learn Mutzah at the beginning of the day, you know, 20 minutes, half an hour. And, you know, it's part of uh, essential to being a real Yid. And uh, if going is going to make us a, a bigger person and a, a better Jew, 
uh, people will travel hours to go to Tivrit Tzadikim and other things. I felt that this was really important for a person of Yiddishkeit, and therefore, you know, the Biblical Torah wouldn't, wouldn't stop us from going. Well, here's my question. Do you, did you see going as a mitzvah? I definitely see it as a mitzvah, of course. We're, we're going to send a message to, to Congress and to, protect, to, to, to help protect our brothers and sisters, of course. So some people saw it like Leisame del Damariecha, right? So yeah. I would I would ask the question: If somebody says there's a Shiloh of Bethel Tyra, so the Gemara says right? I list them by and I love, right? And he doesn't do anything. It's a Gemara in in, uh, in Sanhedrin, right? It's a it's Shulchan Aruch and around Tafchaf Hay in that area and that zip code, right? Um, but um, he, he's always around Leisame del Damariecha. So if indeed the exception would be, if it's Efshalas, it's Halei Now, if the goal would be to have a large mass of people, like if 100,000 people come and 300,000 people come, it's a whole different outcome. So it's not Efshalas, it's Halei De'acherem. L'chayra, Bittal Tyra would not be a factor that would make a difference because just because you're learning doesn't mean you don't have to go to the sukkah, you don't have to ask. All mitzvahs are doichet Tyra, unless it's Efshalas, Halei De'acherem. If it's a mitzvah and this is not Efshalas, Halei De'acherem, there should be no issue with Bittal Tyra, am I right? You know, it's a very good argument, but, you know, I'm not, you know, you're much bigger Talmud Chacham. I don't consider myself a big Talmud Chacham. Um, and, and when I said Fargadolan, like take Rav Feldman, for example, who, who didn't send his yeshiva, um, who obviously felt whatever reason it wasn't a chiyav, maybe you could argue because, you know, there's a certain amount of people there with extra few thousand. Well, well again, I, I'm not really against going, obviously, because I went, but in terms of that argument, you could argue maybe it's not clear for Golden Abish. And therefore, I'm not going to go ahead. I'm not, I don't have big enough shoulders to say, yeah, you're the chiv to go, so nefesh and go against Gedoli. So, but, but I definitely hear your argument. And again, definitely that all, you know, contributed to, to my sentiments of, of let me, of let me take my bachram and, and let, let, let us go and, and have this tremendous chus, tremendous, tremendous chus to be part of it. It's incredible, incredible mindset, you know. We heard from, we heard, we heard, put us on the background thing. The moment was quality show cares about each other. That was, that was, I'm not saying Mother Usher and Feldman said after Usher, but when Mice, when that moment of of caring about our brothers and sisters is is a huge, huge deal. So I just want to go back to, um, in, in 67, when, when they had the War of 67, um, so we have two people who were there, uh, Rabbi Brown from Farakaway, we heard, as well as, yeah, as well as, um, Malcolm Holine was there, and he said, Rebel Yishvei came with the whole yeshiva. So he obviously felt that there was, uh, there was no issue here of, of, uh, of Bittal Tyra or the concept of the Valtus Chabal or Shem, which Bechlal I can't understand. To me, it's, uh, the, the issue is, the Marshal, the Gemara says in a few places, the Gemara says that there was a time, Pam Mechas, they, they, uh, they, they made Xeris, the, the Ramiya made Xera, and, they, and the Kali Yisrael didn't know what to do. So they, where did they go? To went to Ahu uh, Matronisa, she was a Shiksa. She was a Gaya, and uh, and they went, or Yeshua went, and he sat with her privately. In fact, the Kriyim asked, how could he sit with her privately? It's an Isra of Yichud, but there were guys around Ashgaz. Why don't you say it's an Isra of Altus Chabal or Rishayim? I mean, Altus Chabal or Rishayim, if you go to the supermarket and you're waiting in line with the rushes, there are dinner of Altus Chabal or Rishayim. Altus Chabal or Rishayim is when you make a Vad together, when you make a, you make an organization together, to show up by a rally together, it's, it's like going to a supermarket together. There's a, there's a dinner of Altus Chabal. You don't see Altus Chabal on on a one-time event, so, so I, 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 I don't I'll, I don't buy I'll, that at all. I'll, you know, I'll tell the truth. I could I could you know try to give svaras to the other side, but I, I I'm I'm not qualified 
you know, I know it's, I'm sure there are other gedolim that may be held otherwise. I'm not qualified to stick my head in that much because I, I had, I felt this is what I want to do for the Shiva. I didn't have to pass it for Kuala Yisrael, you know, so, you know, my opinion is not, not valuable here in this halachic discussion, you know. Okay, so what, what impact did it have on you boys? So what impact did it have on you boys? You know, you're going to the rally. It wasn't like you 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 felt. I personally, to be honest, I didn't walk away with this inspiration. You know, you don't. You only see the few thousand people. You know that around you, but 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 there's no question. There's no question that that there's they they walked away. And again, more even just going and and they they knew that they're responsible. They're responsible for college. So they heard from me over and over again, we're responsible for college. So if we're staying and learn if we're not going to rally and we're staying, we're learning we're also responsible for college. So we're just gonna we're going to do it a different way, but it has to be real. It can't be fake. We're responsible for quality itself. Yeah, and when you add to it, you know, people, even if you came from New York, it was four or five hours each way on a bus. Uh, with 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 you were lucky if the bus had a bathroom. So it wasn't it wasn't an easy. It was a it was a day that started at six and it probably ended at seven or eight at night. The whole thing, thirteen fourteen it, hours back and forth. It wasn't a fun trip. No, it wasn't for the fun. And uh, the boys went with great intentions, and uh, and I think it's very valuable for them going. And um, even you know, the boys that didn't go, at least I wanted them to know, you know, what their crisis is. And and they said some boys said I want to stay and learn. Fine, but uh, you know they'll they'll know they'll know when Tyra's Bittletar is not on the line. Um, you know, where our sentiments need to be. It's a very powerful message. So your message is Achrayis to Klal Yisrael, and that's why you took you took your bachur. 100%, 100%. Thank you very much, Rav Kestenbaum. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Joining us from Chicago is Rabbi Henech Plotnik. He's a renowned mechanach. He's an author. He's Reish Masifta in Kesser Yain in Chicago, and he was in Rabbonus for 25 years, most of it in based Tzila. He's a Talmud of Philadelphia and Panovic. Welcome, Reb Hanach. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be with you. So, Reb what is your, tell us your thoughts on what's uh, happened in the last number of weeks, both in Archie Stroll and America, etc. Well, aside from the Ace Tzorali Israel, and I'm certainly not one to speak to the different days and opinions about how to approach the Ishtadlis part of this. There has been a little bit of a bilbul hamoichais amongst the hamaynam, and that means everybody, including B'nai Yeshiva, who goes to call themselves B'nai Taira, those that certainly want to have direction from Taira, as far as how to react to how we are supposed to do something aside from the Ruchni's Dika angle of the Torah and the Chizik and Tfila, understandably, and Chasadim, but how we're supposed to react from the Ashtadwanis aspect of this. And there's been a lot of discussion about this. People have asked me what to do, what I think about this. And I really look at this as just another simon of the fact that we're holding an Exorcist the Mashiach. The Gemara says at the end, Exubis, Amar Abzeira, Amar Abyermia Baraba. In the generation that Ben David is going to come, there's going to be a category of Tamid Echachamim. Rashi says in Ksubis, A lot of people that are going to be Malamid Chayv on Tamid Echachamim are going to get up against the Tamid Echachamim. The simple Pshat in Rashi is that it means Rishoyim. There's such an interesting Hafla there at the end of Ksubis. Where the Hafla says we're actually talking about Tamidech Achamim with each other. And he says there's not going to be clarity about what to do. 
Even Tamid Echachamim are not going to have the usual Solom Rav. There's going to be confusion about what to do and how to handle certain situations. And he says that's the ending of Kategoria that the Gemara is talking about. So the Gemara is really telling us that it's going to be a time of confusion. Even Tamid Echachamim are not going to have full clarity and certainly not agreement with each other about how to approach it. So aside from the fact that, yes, we've have a Messiah from all the way back to the Chafetz Chaim, going back to World War One. that when it was the Mashiach, we have no idea how long it's going to last and what the Chafetz Mashiach is going to be, etc., etc. But in light of what happened more recently, I got Chizuk from that Gemara service that the lack of clarity itself is just another simon that we're holding in Ixus of the Mashiach, and this is just another one of those Chafetz Mashiach. And is there a takeaway for us? Well, there is, because what happens is some people that feel that they know what's the right thing to do, and not everybody deserves to have an opinion what the right thing is. So I don't know how to do brain surgery. I never went to medical school. I don't know what a human brain looks like. Yet when it comes to things like this, a lot of people feel comfortable expressing their opinion, or it's a matter of saying this is right and this is wrong, and we have to be very, very careful how we approach this. You know, Ramashihil Hirsch, has been saying both in an interview and in a drusha that I was able to view on a video, he said a beautiful vart from Rabitzel Petterberger. The Gemara says that David Amelech, when he was old, the Haftar that we learned just two weeks ago, when David Amelech was old, they covered him with begodim and it didn't warm him. And the Gemara says that David Melech was being taken to task because when he met up with Shaul Melech and he cut off the corner of his baghead, so the Gemara says that David didn't show proper covid for Begodim. So therefore, when David needed the Shmira, the protection of Begodim, he didn't get it. So therefore, David Melech wasn't warmed by the Begodim. So Vitzel Petterberger said, anything that we look to as a Shmira and as a protection can only protect us if we give it the proper covid. So if we're looking for what the Gemara says, that Torah is magni umatli, Torah protects us. She also protects us. Rebitzel said, if we're not mechabed the Torah properly, then chas v'shalom, we're going to lose that shmira of Torah that we so desperately need. The Gemara says, Torah is magni umatli, even when we're not learning. It's a protectorate. It's a shield. It's an iron dome. And if we're not properly mechabed the Torah, then chas v'shalom, we can lose that shmira and that protection. And this is something which we all need to be mechazik in, the way we're mechaber atayra, the way we're mechaber atzilo. A friend of mine called me from New York when the war first broke out, and he said to me, you know, I'm all kabbalah out from the Yom and Nairaim. I can't make any more kabbalahs. What am I supposed to do? So I said to him, jokingly, first I said, well, go back to the kabbalahs that you made and you broke and start all over again. But then I said, more seriously, if you made a kabbalah in Torah, or you made a kabbalah in Tzil, whatever it may have been, just give it a little bit more covered. Because the covid that you give to the Torah will make that Torah that much bigger of a shmirah for you and for everybody else. Come to your storm on time, battle us during the Seder, the covid we give to our tefillah, come early, at least come on time, don't walk out in the middle of Tilim on your way out the door and mumble the Achenu Kobesh Yisrael on the way into your car. The more you mechaded the Torah and the Tila, the more of a smear it'll be. So in a practical way, this is something that we can incorporate into everything that we're doing really all day long. The way we learn, the way we daven, the way we talk about the Chachamim, this is really something which I think is an opportunity for us to be mechadic in something that normally we might not give the same kind of attention to. I have a question for you, Pastor. If somebody's, let's say, uh, if somebody's very caught up with what's going on in Eretz Yisrael and he's 
you know, tumbling it in a Yaimun Valila. He's going to rallies, which I understand is not a picnic. If he went by bus, it was uh, could be five hours or ten hours each way, depending where you were coming from. Guy said from Chicago, it was more with with one with one bathroom, maybe on the bus, right? Yeah. Is, is that being mechabed Torah too? Which Torah do you mean is being mechabed? You mean it's it's good Torah well, said you should no. attend that rally? No, I say because it says because mm-hmm. we're all supposed to be looking. How can we we we, we dig about seeing? We're supposed to be we samed al damariecha is 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 one of the one of the mitzvahs chamur shabatayra is to protect another Jew to look out for another Jew. So, so he's going is, to a rally like that. Is that called cover the Torah? Okay, so this really depends upon. A person's own Rebbe, a person's own Messiah. We know, Reb David, that there are always more than one way to look at things. There's always been differences of opinion in Klai Yisrael. If a person has a Rebbe that he adheres to, not because he picks and chooses the ones that he likes when he likes them, but he has a Rebbe who comes with a Messiah, who comes with clear Das of the Torah, and his Rebbe says this is the right thing to do. This person is absolutely being mechabed the Torah. And if let me ask you a question. Wants... Let's say he's coming with Rebel Yishvei went to the rally uh, when they made it for Eretz Yisrael in '67, and Rav Ruderman went, and the Tells of Rosh Hashivas went, and Ramosha wrote a, a, a starker letter when they rallied by Soviet Jewry. Is that a, a Messiah that you could say this person's being mechabed the Torah by going? It depends. I, I think what this person would have to know is if what was the situation then and what was the recommended Hanhaga then exactly applies to now. It gets very tricky. In fact, Rebellion himself, you mentioned the name of Rebellion, one of my Rebellion. Rebellion used to always quote what the Biskarov said, that my father, Abchayim, was the Zion in Sufzikyara room. My father, Abchayim, knows what's going to be in 50 years. Ich Weiss was Tutzachheint. I know what's happening today. And Rebellion said that the Biskarov was teaching us that you have to have the Chachma of the Briskarov to know what's happening today. So for a person to decide on his own, not someone who necessarily had a direct Shemush from that Rebbe and gave him instructions like Rav Shach had from his Rebbeim and Rav Baran had from his Rebbeim and Rebellia had from his Rebbeim. But for someone to decide on their own, Ich Weiss was Tutzachheim, because I know that once upon a time, 60, 70 years ago, they did this and this and this. That's not necessarily good enough because you need someone to tell you now if your comparison is correct, if the situation is correct, and that's when it becomes very, very murky and very unclear. Some people have their abeyim to tell them that, and some people don't, and some people look for guidance and they look for direction. You're and saying very, that with, without guidance, a person can say, to me, this is existential, like the 67 war, to me, this is existential for the Russians, as the Soviet Jewry was, well, and you, there are enough Rabbanim going, and, and based upon that, it seems very obvious that I should go. I don't know why a person would take the responsibility of making a decision like that on his own without why? having a, a Rebbe or a Talmud Chacham because everything we do is supposed to be done with the Das of the Torah. That doesn't mean we all have access to the Godel Hadar, but any decision which is important, and these things have ramifications. You know, there, were, there was one Godel who said this was Mamish's Shaila of Pikuach Nefesh because we might be saving lives by going to this rally. That's a very, very heavy statement to make. Yet Mitzad Shani, someone said there was a Shaila perhaps of Chilol Hashem based on the fact that this person was given, he held that for whatever reason, there might be a Chil Hashem. Again, I'm not going into the merits of the merits why, of that. Why would there be a Chil Hashem more than any other rally here? Yeah, 
first title was who the speakers were going to be, who they were going to be. The speakers in 67 were all fry. Oh, that's, I don't know. I can't speak to that. So again, I'm I saying every speaker in 67 was a religious. There wasn't a single religious speaker. There wasn't a single religious singer like they had this time. Right. So, so why, I, I, why I, were the people... I can't, I can't speak to that because I didn't speak to my Rebbe about that. And I wouldn't, Khalila, ever say an opinion of my own on such a heavy topic without having some kind of a direct incentive for my Rebbe. So I never spoke to him about that. I don't know. And my Rebbe, Nabuch, is in the Elam HaEmes, and the Shmuel Kamenetsky is my other Rebbe. is very difficult to get the day out of right now. So I can't speak to that. I'm not a spokesman for someone that did something 50, 60 years ago. And I don't have a Chachma the Biskarov that offers the exact same thing. But Yiftach Bedarik, Yishmol Bedarik, if someone has a Rebbe or a Rav that he looks to for Hadracha and guidance, and this das of the Torah in this person's life tells him that that's the right thing to do, then that's what he should be doing. One more question. If somebody doesn't have a Rebbe handy, right, could he make this decision on his own? That's a very difficult question. Can I ask I you a question, Rav Could you cite a Makairan Halacha in Shulchan Aruch for any of this? Did I find a Makairan for any of this? No, I did not. This, this could, is why I'm just saying, could, could you find a Makairan in Shulchan Aruch for this concept that you can't make this decision on your own? No, but I had Rebbein that taught me I can't make decisions on my own. Does it say that in Shulchan Aruch anywhere? That's a Masari I have from my Rebbein. They got it from their Rebbein. They got it from their Rebbein. But wouldn't you think so, something so important should have some Makairan in Shulchan Aruch? Some things don't need to be said in Shulchan Aruch. There are some things that we I think we understand ourselves need to be asked. Things that border on Shilas of Chil Hashem, and we know we don't know what to do. So, of course, we have to know what the right thing is to do, ask the right people to give us guidance. And I think it's a Dover Pashit. I don't think anybody would question that any important life decision that we are not equipped with on our own to know what to do because of the severity of the issues involved of course we need some kind of a messiah and we need some kind of a hadracha who in his right mind would think he would make a decision like if that bordered on something what let's say in the world's eyes would be considered even more severe than this no one in his right mind would do such a thing on his own and i, I don't think that needs to be said in the shulchan Aruch at all i think it's important things in life we don't we just don't do on our own i want to tell you an interesting thing of david just a, a light a light thing. Um, there is a concept in the Shulchan Aruch. Shulchan Aruch talks about things that need a Hayroas Chacham, right? Yeah. So, so we do have that concept in the Shulchan Aruch of when does a Chiyaf Hayroas Chacham, when does not a Chiyaf Hayroas Chacham, right? That's true. But not uh, by, in the day, So I say, why is this such an incredibly important concept missing from the Shulchan Aruch? I can only double down on what I said before. I think because there are certain things that need not to be said and need not to be printed. I think there are certain things that me and you understand on our own need to have guidance and hadracha and clear direction. And I don't know if the Shulchan Aruch has to tell us that I have to look at the Shulchan Aruch to know that. That's my uh, my feeling. Could you think of a Makhair in Gemara, in Rishayinim, and Achrayinim, let's say this? Off the top of my head that you need to ask, well, how about the Pasuk in Chumash? It's talking about Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. I know that, but and, and, and the Knesset in Eretz Yisrael, it's not brought by, it's not, it's not brought in the Sefer Amitzvah or the Rambam, etc., to extend beyond that you have to ask everything. That is true, but I, I think I think we all know from the way Klai Yisrael functions that this is the way we go. You know, there's a there's a Merdik of Sefer Hachinuch. If you look in the Sefer Hachinuch, actually it's in two places. Sefer Hachinuch and Parshas Mishpatim and Mitzvah Ayin Ches. Kolashayarucha. Uh, that one's on to go after Rabbi And then there's one in Parsha Shoistim on the on the dinner like saucer. 
So the Sefer Chinuch talks over there about the importance of following what the Chachamim tell us. It's so interesting the way he writes. He says that the Gemara above Metziah, the famous Gemara about Rabbi Eliezer, with his fight with the Rays and Rabbi Eliezer refused to give in to the Rays, and all sorts of miracles happened to show that Rabbi Eliezer was right. And yet, and even a Baskoil came out and said that he was right. And they ignored the Baskoil. And the Sefer Chinuch says, why did Hashem use Barach make all these miracles to back up Rabbi Eliezer's position if we weren't going to Pasco like him anyway? And the Sefer Chinuch says, Hashem wanted to teach us some very ridiculous lesson. Rabbi Eliezer was right. He was right. But if... I love the, the no, yeah, but aside from that, he says that there's always going to be Chaluke Deus in Kali Yisrael. That's the way it goes. And the Torah had to make a system to make sure that we do one thing, because if not, he says, it'll bring the Chorban yes. yep. That's the lesson. So he says, the Torah said, it doesn't even matter, he says, even if you're doing the wrong thing. He says an incredible lesson there. Even if you're doing the wrong thing, but it's more important to have a system where we follow Torah authority, that's more important than doing what is actually right. When we say, I feel like that means if they're actually wrong, but you're better off doing the wrong thing, the Sefer Chinuch says, because we have to follow Torah authority or else it's going to bring Chorben Hados. It's a fascinating concept. And he says it doesn't just apply to the Chachmei HaTamud. He says, it's like this. We have to allow ourselves to submit ourselves to Torah authority, because if not, it'll bring to Chorben Hados. And this is a very important concept. The Chinuch is saying a legislative concept. Right, which is similar to the concept where he talks about by Zakin Mamre. If 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 we don't have you know regulated lines of authority, so he's going to say you know the say the Torah should be written one way. He should be we should finish it every three years. He says we should finish it every one year. You're gonna, you 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 devolve into chaos. So we have to, that's the concept of Achei Rabbi Mahatis. But the concept of that every decision in your life you have to look for authority for, he doesn't say. I'm not saying he's addressing that particular thing. I'm just trying to bring out. Yeah, you absolutely you do have to, have, without a doubt, there has to be a mahalach and halach of achir rabim lahatos. But you know, he uses that lashon ain lanu lazos midaytam v'yehima. It's very important to have that mentality and to have that mindset. And that's the point that I'm trying to bring out from you. I'm not going into the nitty gritty. Okay. But this is the way Klai Yisrael. This is the way Klai Yisrael uh, conducts itself, and this is what we. Uh, this is the way traditionally we've always ran our lives. I'll keep the das of Tamid Chacham, and it's extremely important to keep that covid, as I said before, to keep that covid intact. Because Chasr Shalom, if we're not in the Chabid, even if we all say we have disagreements, so we know that Rabbeinu has disagreements with each other, and Rabbanu has disagreements with each other, and that's fine. Kedakar Shaltair, that's fine. But at the end of the day, we can Chasr Shalom lose that cover that we have for them, to the cover that the Torah that they represent. It's extremely important and extremely Chasr that we not lose sight of that particular Nakuda. Yeah, I'll tell you a story that I heard from. Um, uh, Aaron Lankry, he was he was a rabbi in the Safra synagogue. Mm-hmm. Told me a murder story. He said that there was a a balabas in the shul who was very antagonistic to him, and um, he would always make argue with him, make fun of him. One day, the guy shows up by his house and he says, "Rabbi, I, I desperately need your help." He says, "What happened?" He says, "My daughter is married, just fell in love with a with a a, a, a a guy, and she wants to marry him, and I need you to talk to her." And he said, I'm sorry, I can't help you. 
And he said, I know, Rabbi, I know you're very mad at me for all these years. I was, you know, Matsyar you, and I made fun of you and this and that. I, I apologize deeply. I'll make a huge contribution. Whatever you want. He says, no, you don't understand. That's not why I can't help you. He says, but for the last five or ten years, what has this girl heard every time she comes home? How the rabbi isn't smart, and the rabbi is making mistakes, and the rabbi is doing this wrong, and is doing that. Now this rabbi is going to come and convince her of something? Mm-hmm. He said, you poisoned the well. There's no, there's, no, there's no place to go back to. And I heard a story... A similar story to that, that there was a, a town in the Midwest, I don't remember, and I'm not sure if it's apocryphal or not, but it says the same message, where there was a, a, br- a brilliant kid from the town. He got into uh, Yale Law, Harvard Law, one of the top, and he got offers from all the big law firms in New York and Chicago, LA. He decided he's going back to his town, and he took up medical malpractice. And he sued every doctor in the state. It was Mamish Lebedek. And he won great judgments because he was from Yale. These other lawyers went to, you know, Shmei schools, and they weren't able to match him. Kids said he got married. They had a big wedding, and they had a big thing, and he bought a big house. And his wife is expecting, and he gets a call. Your wife is in the hospital. Something ruptured, and uh, it's, it's life-threatening. So he got into his car. He goes running to the hospital. He says, bring the high-risk doctor. And they said, there is no high-risk doctor. He said, what do you mean? He said, all the high-risk doctors you sued and they left the state. So when we, when we attack Yedolim, right, or Abanim, we're ultimately poisoning the well for ourselves. 100%. 100%. Can I just tell you one beautiful story that I heard from my father-in-law? His name is Reviel Sperker. He, he was around in Detroit for many years. I, I, I remember him, yeah. He lives in Lakewood now. He was, when he was a bucker, he went in Lakewood for a short time. And he was in Rav Aaron Cutler's office. And Rav Aaron received a phone call from Yosef Leo Hankin, who was then the, the big Mayor Hiro in America. And apparently Rav Hankin was the halachic consultant. I don't know if he was the official mashgiach or not for Barton's candy. And Barton's was going to change an ingredient. And they had a shy if they could change it, if it was going to change the kashras of the particular candy involved. So Rav Hankin received the Shiloh from Barton's, and he called Rav Aaron to bounce the Shiloh off of Rav Aaron. So my father-in-law is sitting in the room, and Rav Aaron has Rav Hankin on the phone, and Rav Aaron was visibly agitated because they were speaking and learning, and he felt that Rav Hankin's position was incorrect. You could argue in learning. And he said Rav Aaron was motioning with his hands wildly that, oh, he held the husband right, he wasn't right. And you could see that Rav Aaron was arguing with him very, very much. And then Rav Aaron goes back to the mouthpiece of the phone and he says, I want to hear what you have to say again, Rav Hankin. Great people want to hear what other people have to say. Some people are very, very quick to make conclusions in every single area when it's Negea Tzatayra or Tzatayra Hashkafa, and they don't want to hear what someone else has to say. Great people have their ear always open to hear, let me hear what you're saying. Maybe we can have a little bit of a discussion, always, of course, with Derek Harris, especially when you're talking about Rabbanim and Yisrael. But a sign of greatness is not just to dig your heels in and say, this is what I think. But part of being great and being Tzatayra is to hear what does the other person have to say. If there's a room to be mismatched with them, if you're somebody who's in the same league as the person that's saying the other opinion, and even if, let's say, a God of says something you don't understand, find out what he means and start instead of being mavatal. But it's part of the greatness of a person to hear what other people have to say before we just dig in our own heels and say, I'm right and I don't want to hear anything else. Javaldik, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Kultabala.